Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to my little podcast, the old Grass Talk Radio. And today, for some reason, my my chair is not squeaking as much as normal. So, hey, I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the Patreon patrons. And I promised last episode that I would rattle off the names of that exclusive club of supporters of this show who chip in a little every month, dropping money in the old Grasstalk Radio tip jar or tip bucket. I always carried a bucket, you know, wanted a good, strong container in case I really hit the jackpot. (laughs) I am going to tell you the first names of the patrons, that exclusive club who hangs out over there in the lounge at patreon.com. And by the way, if you want to become one of these people, become a patron of the show, you go to patreon.com slash Bradley Laird. And the rest is made simple for you. And uh, I will mention too that there are some little freebie bonuses and things like that that I, from time to time, put on the Patreon site for the patrons. Just a little way of saying thank you. So here we go in alphabetical order based upon your first name. And I'm not using any last names here. I'm going to start with Ben, Brandon, Charlie, Craig. Dan, and, and sometimes I like to put the, the last name's initial. So Dan is Dan K. Let me start over. It's Ben W. Everybody sounds like a rapper if you do this. We got Brandon T, Charlie C, Craig H, Dan K, DJ, which I think DJ knows who DJ is. Uh, we got Doug B, Drew. I don't know, Drew. Drew. I just wrote down Drew. (laughs) But man, I appreciate you, Drew. And I appreciate all of y'all. Frank G. Fred S. You guys know who you are, but I just want you to know that I appreciate you. Gina. Lee. Lori. Mark. Now, Mike S. And Mike W. Got two Mikes. Pat, Pat, I've mentioned his last name before, and I might as well mention it again since I have done it uh, multiple times in the past. Pat Span, who I picked with last night, guitar player, has the pizza place there, Pat's Place in America's Georgia. And I would just like to announce, big gig coming up. I rarely mention things that are like of a timely, time-sensitive nature, but the Plucktones, the band that I play in, in which I play bass, upright bass. The Plucktones are booked at Pat's place on St. Patrick's Day. That's a big deal for Pat. The St. Patrick's Day is the uh, annual blowout <laughs> at Pat's place. So Plucktones are going to be uh, closing out the show at Pat's place at the 2020 St. Patrick's Day celebration. So if you happen to be down around America's Georgia 
on St. Patty's Day. Come on by and check out the pluck tones. Now, continuing the list, we also have Paul. Don't want to forget you, Paul. And then we have our pair of Toms. We have Tom C. and Tom K. So that's everybody. And again, I sincerely thank all of you. And I encourage anyone else who might, you know, just take a notion to support this little endeavor. You know, you can, you can do it as small as you want or as large as you want. I shall not try to influence your decision-making there. Uh, but I just want to say thank you. And finally, to get all this housekeeping out of the way, I want to say thank you to any of you who have told other people about the podcast. That's a very simple thing you can do that costs you nothing. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff here. There's, there, I think, I, I hope that there is some useful information that other bluegrass people might enjoy. So, you know, you're doing me a little favor and you're doing them a little favor by telling them about the show. And finally, if anyone is interested in any of my learning materials, instructional materials for the various bluegrass instruments, simply go to bradleylaird.com and look around. You'll find it. All right, going to shuffle some papers and get on to the topic at hand. But before I get into the real topic, I, I just want to make a quick mention of my son Jackson. That kid is so industrious and such a good saver. I mean, he, he saves up his allowance and his money and he plans and he plots and he plans so that he gets the things that he ultimately wants. And his recent um, thing that he really wanted is called a DAW, Digital Audio Workstation. And it's, it's essentially a software recording package for... Um, recording live audio tracks or, re or recording, you know, MIDI synthesizer type stuff. It's a digital audio workstation. There are multiple uh, types or, you know, multiple companies make digital audio workstations like Pro Tools. And, you know, if you're unfamiliar with any of this stuff, like Ableton Live, like FL Studio, and so on. These are just names of software. If you're not familiar with those, just think of GarageBand on your Mac times a thousand in terms of you know capability. Anyway, Jackson has been really wanting to tie his uh, digital piano into his computer, which he'd already done for entering notes for composition purposes. Which, by the way, I find that very handy when I'm notating some of the little mandolin fiddle tunes and even banjo stuff. I find it much faster to enter the notes in using a little keyboard plugged in through MIDI. And I'm in the notation software in Sibelius and I'm just playing the notes in on the piano keyboard. It's so much faster than all that clicking and pointing with the mouse. But anyway... He has moved a little closer to his dream goals of this ultimate music production studio that he has in his mind. He got um, a DAW and has been just going wild learning about this stuff. Uh, you know, using all these synthesizers and a lot of audio um, 
software that we used to have to have hardware to do, like compressors, EQs, echo chambers, things like that. Now there are all these plugins. You just download the plugin and you use a software version of it. So he's learning about compressors and EQs and low pass filters and just all kind of stuff. And I'm mentioning this because that might be something that you might have some interest in and you can, many of these companies offer free versions of their software that you could just download and tinker around with and see if it's something you're interested in. Anyway, I, I may close the show out. He's been cranking out so much stuff lately that I may just use a little snippet of one of his creations as a little outro music. It won't be bluegrass, but it will be cool. So that's that. Now let's get on to the main topic. Your bluegrass bucket list. The term bucket list has become so popular, uh, is so trendy over the last few years. And it, I'm sure you know what a bucket list is. It's that, like, my list of things that... Before I die, I want to make sure I've done this. I've gone to the Eiffel Tower, or I have seen the Grand Canyon, or I surfed in Hawaii, or whatever it is. This is your big master list of dreams, that things you want to check off to say that you did. You know, I went sail fishing in Costa Rica, or I went to... Uh, Machu Picchu, or you name it, it's your list. It's your dreams. That's what a bucket list is. And I thought it might be interesting for you to consider, even though you have the big bucket list, not everybody has one. Some people just kind of take one day at a time and see what happens. And that's a good life plan too. But I'm going to suggest that uh, you consider making a bluegrass bucket list. And, you know, my experience has been that some things just sort of happen, you know, by chance. You know, you're playing in this little bluegrass band and you get asked to play at this festival. You didn't really go out and seek it. You just got asked. And then you get there and they've got this other band there. And playing in this other band is like your hero. And you get a chance to meet them and talk to them. And it's like, wow, this big thing that would have been on your bucket list. But you didn't, you didn't think it up. It just happened. Some things just happen. But some things are planned. Now, not all of your plans always work out. Sometimes you can plan the greatest thing, you know. And then you, you do it and it turns out not so great, you know. Or it doesn't work out quite the way you hoped it would. But that's just the nature of life. Good things just happen. Bad things just happen. And a lot of things in between. Planned events sometimes come off way better than you ever thought. And sometimes, eh, you might come away going, well, that was a waste of time. But at least you did it. So here's what I'm suggesting. Get a pencil and paper, like I do all the time. Make a list. Think big. Dream it. If you can dream it, what could you picture doing or seeing or creating that involves bluegrass? I'm going to give you a list of some possible suggestions. You know, the basic gist of it is, just like in learning to play your instrument, 
It starts with dreaming of it, imagining it. Dream that it's possible. And you might say, but I, that's probably not possible. And there are some things that are on the not possible list. For example, you are not going to go see Bill Monroe perform. <laughs> Too late. You know, now maybe you have seen Bill Monroe perform, but so some things are truly impossible, but there's a lot of things that you might think are impossible that are not impossible at all. Just imagine them. Think about how you might attempt to make them happen. So here's a list. I put down 10 things that might be on your bluegrass bucket list. And it's, I guess you might think maybe this is my bluegrass bucket list. I don't know. Um, here's number one. Visit the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. In many ways, this is a lot. This is the place. This is the, the temple, you might say, where bluegrass started. Now, it's not absolutely true that that is where bluegrass started, but it's certainly one of the major points on the map that caused the spread of bluegrass. The Ryman Auditorium, home of the Grand Ole Opry, where Bill Monroe first put his bluegrass boys out on wide scale, wide coverage radio, and so on. You, you, you know the history. And if you don't know the history, get a book, read it. That would be one. You know, maybe you're out in California and you think, man, that's a long way to go. You know, well, you know. It's still of something of, could be of importance to you. Definitely that was one of the things on my bucket list. Go to the Ryman Auditorium. I went to the Ryman Auditorium first time in 1979. And I think it was pretty much shut down. They were not using it for anything. They did do some little tours and stuff, but I didn't even get to go inside. I just stood outside and read the historical marker. That was my trip to the Ryman in 1979, but I could say I was there and I wandered around the building, went through the alleyway, you know, came in the back door to Tootsie's Orchid Lounge thinking about, yeah, there's been a lot of great musicians across this alleyway right here in both directions, you know. And by the way, if that's your big bucket list thing, you might expand it a little bit and while you're in Nashville, go to Gruen's, Go to Carter's and drool over all those great instruments. And, of course, you got to include visiting the Station Inn and seeing a show at the Station Inn. And perhaps, maybe, go to the Grand Ole Opry. In particular, if you can go to a, a show at the Ryman, that would just be awesome. And so I, I've got a little check mark on that. I've pretty much done all of those things. But perhaps you haven't. And maybe that would be a good item for you. Visit Nashville and the Ryman. Number two, on a kind of a more philosophic nature, uh, of a more philosophic and, I don't know, historical nature, you might want to make a pilgrimage to Rosine, Kentucky, the birthplace of Bill Monroe. I think that might be a good thing to do. That I have never done. That check, I, I put a a box and a check on the ones that I've actually done. I've never done that. 
I've wanted to do that. But I sort of want to do it if I can find the right person to do it with, to go with. Somebody who would really appreciate it and maybe has some, you know, more knowledge about things than, than I do. I mean, it would be really cool just, you know, to actually see Jerusalem Ridge. Maybe, you know, walk around the woods a little bit. That sort of thing. That was my number two. Number three, go to your ultimate bluegrass festival. I mean, think big. If you're on the East Coast, you might think Telluride. Northwest String Summit. If you're out there in California, you might think about Merlefest or going to Galax, which is not really a bluegrass festival, but you might want to go to Galax. If you're, you know, sitting there in Ohio, you might want to go out to Weezer, Idaho. You know, uh, you might want to go to Wintergrass. There are some big festivals, and I, I put a check mark in that because I've, I've gone to some pretty big festivals. I haven't gone to all the ones I just mentioned, but I've, I've played at Merlefest and gone to Merlefest, uh, you know, a couple of times. So, you know, I know what that experience is like. It's a chance to see just an, an amazing array of, of performers all in one sitting. It can be expensive. I will give you that. But it's the sort of thing that if you haven't done that, you should do that. That's part of the whole bluegrass thing. Go. Go to some of these things. Pick one out. Start planning. And take somebody with you, you know, take a friend or a couple of friends and do it together. Everything I mention on this list is better if you do it with a friend. Go back to my, one of my early episodes called A Partner in Crime. Re-listen to it. You need yourself a partner in crime. Somebody who gets it like you get it and somebody who would enjoy it as much as you do. Take them with you. Okay. Item four on the bucket list. And this is similar to the pick your ultimate bluegrass festival and go. This is like that, except it's a little bit different. Number four is go to the IBMA convention or the SPIGMA convention, International Bluegrass Music Association, that's IBMA, or the Society for the, what is it? Society for the Preservation of Bluegrass Music in America, SPIGMA, IBMA, or Spigma, you know, trade show, award show, jams, uh, you know, it's, it's like everything. Consider doing that. And again, take a friend, you know, take somebody that would enjoy it as much as you and go. And maybe you can, you know, combine that with visit to the Ryman if, you know, if they're holding it in Nashville, let's say, which I think Spigma is right now. Number five suggested bucket list item. Meet your hero. And this is the beautiful thing about bluegrass music, is you can actually meet your hero. It's not that difficult. You know, if you're a, a let's say, a rock guitar fan, it's a little tougher to meet the dude that you idolize, you know? I'm not going to toss out any names because I'm not that familiar with that form of music. But, you know, let's just say... Uh, it's harder to get in touch with those, you know, mega pop commercial blah, 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 stars. You know what I'm saying? 
they just don't hang around the record table. Unlike a guy like Del McCurry. Not that hard to get a chance to shake his paw, you know. Uh, you know, his wife is back there running the record table, you know. Bluegrass people are a lot more accessible. So think about who do you really admire? Who would you just like to say, hey, I really like your music and I appreciate you and I just want you to know I got all your albums. I come to your shows. I think you're the greatest. Go, go tell them. Go tell them. You want to meet your hero? You know, maybe your hero is Tony Rice. Maybe your hero is Sam Bush. You just make your own list of heroes. Well, try to do it. It's not that difficult. Find out where they're playing. That's, that's one. Just go to a show. And by the way, let me suggest something else. Do it while you can. You know, if you fiddle around and waste 10 years of just thinking about maybe, you know, I'd like to go see so-and-so play. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to meet Jesse McReynolds, for example, just to use him as an example. Well, you better get on it. I mean, don't wait 20 years. Besides the fact that you might not even be around in 20 years. But I don't know if Jesse will be around in 20 years, you know? You know what I'm saying? Don't wait. If there is somebody that you would just truly enjoy meeting and, you know, shaking hands with and have a little conversation with, taking a picture with or something, just go do it. Get in contact with them. Or, I'm not saying pester people or stalk people or anything like that. Go to a show. Go to a camp where they're going to teach. Sign up for the camp. That's one of the great ways to, you know, really be able to spend some, you know, close uh, or longer periods of time, you know, speaking with people. You know, I got a friend of mine that, you know, he talks quite often about the banjo heroes that he has met going to banjo camps, you know, like his long discussion he had with Bill Keith one time. You know, I've never met Bill Keith. Excuse me, I'm going to have a drink of my coffee here. But see, that was a high point to him. Same thing. It doesn't have to be a hero in performing. It could also be, you know, an instrument builder. You know, maybe you'd like to meet the guy who built your mandolin or your dobro. You know, try calling him up on the phone. You might be surprised how simple it is. So there are go see him at a show or a festival. Sign up to attend one of these banjo camps or something like that, or workshop. That's a good way to potentially meet your hero. Um, look into the fact they might offer online lessons or something. They might do Skype lessons. You know, if, if you really you know, want to talk to Mike Compton, you know, if he's doing online Skype lessons, which I think he does, you could just call him up and, you know, for a small fee, Talk all you want to to him, you know? So, meet a hero. It's not that hard to do, but don't put it off, you know? Number six, potential thing. Get your hands on, either by purchasing or by making, that dream instrument. If you're playing one of those mandolins called the lore, I'm not talking about a lore. We're not talking about a, you know, 
22, 23, 24 Lloyd Lore sign I'm talking about that imported Madeline called the Lore. Well, and you may love your the Lore Madeline. You know, I played some of them, they're not bad. But it is doubtful that that is your dream instrument. Maybe the lore is not as good as a lore. You get what I'm saying? Now, it doesn't have to be a lore mandolin. You don't have to, you know, like raise $150,000 to buy yourself a lore. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying if there is an instrument that you really, really want Start making plans. Start saving. You know, maybe don't stop for that uh, Starbucks every morning and just put that money in a tin can and, you know, plan to make yourself a trip to Carter's or, or Gruen's or something. And, you know, maybe get yourself that dream instrument. That's a good thing. You, you, may, um, you may be wrong about your dream instrument. That is always possible. You may think, oh, this if I ever had that if I you know you're playing your I don't know Sigma guitar and you're like if I only had an HD 28 oh man things it would be great and then you might get the HD 28 and, you, and it's just not quite what you dreamed it was and you end up playing a D18 and you love it you know sometimes your dream instrument finds you rather than the other way around but you know I think it's a good item to have on your bucket list to seek the best instrument you can get your hands on for you. The one that's made for you. Okay, how about number seven? This is kind of like what I was talking about, Jackson. Maybe for you, it's you're fascinated with the whole recording and music production and creation and so on, and you'd like to start planning, putting yourself together a home studio. There's a lot of really good bluegrass that has been recorded in what really started out as home studios. And then maybe they expanded into, well, we turned the basement into a studio and, it, you know, we start our own record label. And, you know, you got to start somewhere. And if you have an interest in this, it's not that expensive these days to get started and start learning how to do it. And maybe at first it's just you're recording yourself. Then maybe you're recording some of your fellow jammers. And then maybe, you know, you're in a band and you're making little demos or you're, you know, and you're learning as you go. And, you know, upgrading your equipment and deciding what works and what doesn't work. And so perhaps building a home studio is something. Because, you know, once you have that, I, I did this. This is something I could check off on my list of things. I've, I've done that. And, you know, it, it, it got to be where I had people that I knew began to ask me to record them doing something, you know, other bands would, would find out that I had the studio and they would see our C CD and go, where, where did you record us? I said, well, I got a little studio in the basement. We, you know, we worked on it over the course of a couple of months and, you know, I recorded it. They go, oh man, what, what would it take for us to do that? And I would explain the process. And, you know, I began to help other people do things. Even things like uh, uh, recording just a vocalist singing to a track because they wanted to submit it, you know, as an audition tape or, you know, just all kind of little things. It's fun. 
if that's, you know, your bag. But don't just sit around dreaming about it. Maybe actually do it, you know? Here, number eight on my list. This is another one of those go-to, you know, go to your Ultimate Bluegrass Festival. Go to the IBMA convention, which, by the way, I have to confess, I've never been to IBMA. I've never been to Spigma. That's still, that is an unchecked item. I forget who it was. Somebody asked me not too long ago. They said, hey, you going to be down at IBMA or Spigma or one of them? I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to go this year. (laughs) I I didn't say, I've never gone. I've never gone. A lot of my friends have gone. I had quite a few friends around Atlanta who used to make an annual pilgrimage up there. I've just never, I, I just never did it. So, if one of y'all is going and wants to go, holler at me. Maybe I'll go with you. I would like to hit them, you know, especially Spigma. I, I kind of think, you know, I was a member of Spigma. Our band was a member of Spigma at one time. We didn't, I'll tell you something funny about Spigma. Spigma, unless the rules have changed, does not allow bluegrass bands with electric basses. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a traditional bluegrass sort of oriented organization so you you know they basically no drums and electric instruments so um our band pony express signed up and joined spigma and you would send you could just send in your picture and send in the little application you know list your members and your contact info and they would print this annual directory and they mailed the annual directory you know about a half inch thick book of all these bluegrass bands with their picture on it and when you opened the cover, the very first photograph in the book was our band, Buddy Ashmore and Pony Express. And it, I suppose it's because they alphabetized them based upon the last name of the performer. So there we were, number one. And I'm looking at the picture. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Our bass player played electric bass. And you could see his electric bass strap hanging down across his shirt you really couldn't see the bass because he was in the in the back row the three guys in front and two in the back and there he is playing that electric bass and clearly the rule said no electric basses i never noticed those rules it's funny though that within about a year randy our bass player switched over to upright bass and so we were totally cool after that but you know you think about it you go back to like the early version of third time out electric bass They would not have qualified for Spigma. (laughs) So I don't know if they still have that rule or not. Um, A lot of bands had electric basses. Anyway, item eight. This this would be a cool one. Go to the NAMM show. The NAMM show just happened, I think, out in Anaheim, California. They used to move it back and forth, you know. Sometimes it'd be in Atlanta, sometimes it'd be out, you know, Anaheim. Sometimes I think they did it in Nashville. So, National Association of Music Merchants or Merchandise, something like that. It's essentially a gigantic trade show regarding everything in the music world: piano manufacturers publishers, software designers, gear, pedals, guitars. Just if it's got something to do with music and you can sell it or buy it and sell it, it is displayed at the NAMM show. 
I went once to the NAMM show when it was in Atlanta. Um, you know, all you got to do if you want to go is uh, get buddy-buddy with somebody at a music store and say, hey, can you get me some tickets to go to NAMM? Because, they're, you know, it, it is a trade show for attended primarily for people who are in the business. But you can generally get tickets. And I haven't looked into it in a long time. Maybe they open it to the public, too. I don't know. But, you know, I had a friend of mine that was a luthier and worked in association with a music store. And, you know, he's like, hey, you want some tickets to the NAMM show? I'm like, heck yeah. So I went. Be prepared to be tired because you just, there isn't enough time to see it all and to have your mind blown by the variety of things that are out there available that you just don't see when you walk into your basic little mom and pop music store. And frankly, even though a lot of this stuff is available online, like you could go to Amazon and look at music stuff, but it doesn't overwhelm you because you're seeing things one or four things at a time, you know, but you walk into the NAMM show and it is serious overkill. I encourage you, if you can finagle your way into the NAM show, that you should attempt to do that at least once. Number nine, this is kind of different. How about travel to a bluegrass festival in a foreign country, a country different than your own? I'm reminded of uh, my Swedish friends, bluegrass pickers, who made several pilgrimages to the U.S. to attend bluegrass festivals, you know, come, take vacation and then come to the U.S. and go to a bunch of bluegrass festivals. And that's how, you know, we met them. But you can do the reverse. You know, I could go to Sweden to attend a bluegrass festival in Sweden and it would just be the coolest thing ever. So consider that. You know, whatever country you are living in, there are people in another country who also dig bluegrass. Could be Japan, could be Czech Republic, could be Canada. You know, maybe, maybe you're just going to go to Canada, you know, or maybe you're in Canada and you want to come down to Kentucky, you know. Travel to a foreign country and uh, do the bluegrass thing there and soak up the culture there. That would be a cool thing to do. Um, and take somebody with you who really will enjoy it, especially the bluegrass part, you know. Last item on the bucket list, and I just call this one create. Everybody's got something that they could create. And, and by the way, all of the other items, one through nine on this list, were about you getting something, you know, like you experiencing something, you, you, you. Well, number 10 is not about you. I mean, it's sort of about you, but it's about create something for other people. I'll give you some examples. Write a book. Now think about it. How many books about bluegrass music biographies, like a biography of Jimmy Martin or a biography of Tony Rice, uh, a history of bluegrass. Think of these books that you know exist. Well, they only exist because somebody made it a priority to create it. And possibly that's something you want to do. Think of the book that has not been written. 
well, why don't you write it? And if you don't think you're that good of a writer, get some help from somebody to be your editor and, you know, to read your drafts and to, you know, or talk to somebody who has written a book. Most authors, certainly authors of bluegrass books, you could probably get a hold of them on the phone and talk to them about, you know, things they did that worked and things that didn't work and, you know, just look in the back of the book and figure out how to contact them or contact them through the publisher or just look up, look them up on Facebook or something. Maybe you will write that book. And, and by the way, it could be an instruction book, could be a biography, could be a history, whatever you want to write. You sort of thinking about creating maybe a legacy for yourself that when you're dead and gone, your book is still here. You know, and you've made a contribution to the bluegrass world. But you also got something out of it, too, because you've got the experience of doing it. Um, another possibility in the creation, make a film, make a documentary. I got a, 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 a guy, I say he's a friend of mine. I really didn't know him that well, but he, he played with this little band I was in for a while. He just had moved to Atlanta from a different area of the country, and he was only around for a little while. But he had made this documentary about uh, a bluegrass festival or something. I forget what it was called. I've got a copy of it. Maybe you could do that. You know, instead of putting it in book form, you, any, any type of book you do could be a film, video, documentary, <laughs> series, what, whatever. Think about that. Think about it. What is the, you know, like what is the documentary you wish existed? Well, why can't you consider doing it? And if you don't know everything about how to do it, maybe team up with somebody else who could help you out, you know? You know, it's got to start somewhere. Dream it, then figure out how to do it. That's, that's one I kind of am interested in. Here's another one. This is, I am your perfect example of that. Maybe start a podcast. Why not? That's what I did. I just said, hey, you know, I wonder if I could start a podcast, start thinking about it, start figuring out how to do it and just did it. And here you are listening to it right now. Maybe I don't care if you start one. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Any, I would, I would love it if a listener to grass talk radio, start a podcast and then, you know, at least once every other episode, you know, thank me for encouraging them to do it or something. Uh, but it's not that hard to do. I mean, there are a lot of things you have to learn to do, but it's not difficult. It's not like I'm going to dig my own well or I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever. There are some things in life that are rather difficult, you know. This is not difficult. It does take some research, take some, you know. But I'm just trying to get your wheels turning because let's think about this realistically. Maybe you started playing, you know, maybe you're retired. You're, you know, you got some time on your hands. You started playing the banjo and you know darn good and well, you're not going to be the next Bela Fleck. But you enjoy picking and you enjoy jamming and you enjoy going to bluegrass festivals and shows and listening to bluegrass on YouTube or whatever. But what, what are you doing f for other people? You know, what are you giving back? podcast might be the thing, you know, so could be writing a book, film, documentary, blog, 
or maybe write songs. And trust me, generally speaking, you're not going to make any money writing songs. But songs, instrumentals, fiddle tunes, whatever. Why not? Write them. Show them to people. Teach them how to play them. You know, do something creative in order to give back. I, I, I think I said in one of the early episodes of this podcast that one of my purposes in this is what I, I think I refer to as a brain dump. It's sort of like, let me just download all this stuff that's in my head that I have learned the hard way or the easy way or experiences that I've had or ways of looking at things and how to do things, you know, in the bluegrass realm. And because when I'm dead and gone, I have no way to tell you anymore, you know. But if I put it in a book, if I put it in a video, if I put it in a podcast, you know, it's my legacy. Well, you can create similar type of thing for yourself and help other people at the same time. So all I'm suggesting is while you may have your big bucket list of, you know, visiting the Grand Canyon or making a trip to Mars with Elon Musk or something on that one way trip to nowhere, um, maybe Maybe that's, you know, you got that big bucket list, but maybe consider creating a bluegrass bucket list. Don't wait. Get busy. Make your list. Start dreaming. That's where it starts. Dreaming and imagining what you could do. Start planning, which means learning. You got to learn, okay, well, where is this place? How much does it cost? What's the you know, how much gas would it take me to get there? What are the ticket prices? Are, do they have any hotels around? You know, start saving up your money. All you got to do is quit buying this other junk, you know, like cancel that Netflix subscription and put that money away every month. And then you'll, you know, at the end of the year, you'll have enough money to go to Spigma or something. Start saving, planning, learning what you need to do. Find somebody to do it with. Get your partner in crime, and then go do it. Your life will be better if you do this. So that's it, folks. Thanks a bunch for listening, and I'll be back next week with another Grass Talk Radio. Oh, here we go. We're going to go out with just some ambient music that Jackson created. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I may play one or two. I don't I don't have them picked out yet. So I won't tell you the, the titles, but I will put links on the show notes page. He he's been when he finishes each little creation, a lot of this stuff sounds like video game music or movie, you know, soundtrack, movie soundtrack type stuff. Um the software that he got has the ability to export it as a video. So he's been posting them on YouTube. So I may uh, embed a couple of his videos on the show notes page for today's bucket list episode if you want to see some other samples that he is creating. It's kind of fascinating. I am very tempted, even though, you know, I'm like, well, do they have any good bluegrass banjo samples I could use? Like, you know, could I build me a bluegrass song in this DAW? And I haven't heard anything good yet that will do that, but I am kind of fascinated by this. And I thought about taking uh, maybe some tune that I've written, maybe one of these fiddle tunes or a waltz or something that I've written, and just see if I can 
do something with it in his DAW. I'll have to get him to teach me how to do it. But anyway, let's go out of the show with a little example of Jackson's uh, musical creations of late in his digital audio workstation. Y'all take care, and I'll be back next week. Thank you.